Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Welcome to the weekly We Are LA Tech Remix episode. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Trisha Hope. I'm the CEO of Modern Brands, which is a WordPress for fashion. I'm based in Culver City. So like the thing you were saying about how there's always these like negative moments and they turn into good moments. So that's just kind of a constant in life. I'll tell you the the startup I moved out to LA for kind of crashed and burned when a customer didn't pay them $2 million, like annihilated the company. Everybody got laid off and everyone was super mad, but I kind of wasn't. I was kind of like, Okay. But I think that's because I had gone through like an industry like fashion where I'd been laid off multiple times and I was like, okay, shit happens. I don't know. And, you know, startups are like that. I think I just thrive in that environment. And so what I did when that happened is I just told them, Hey, you guys owe me some money. Why don't I just take the sample room I built for you? And and then I took it and I took three of the employees and I went down the street and I started an agency. And that's how I started Modern Brands is I started the agency first, tested it out and kind of stealth in the back end. And then pandemic was coming, but I didn't know that. This is the luckiest thing that's probably happened. Oh, wow. in my Tell life. me. So um, I had this whole little small factory because we adopted it and moved it down the street and we were going. And I was at this place in my business where I had to kind of choose, do I want to be more of a factory and keep this going and like hire more sewers and make this work? Or do I want to build this tech thing that I've been in love with for years and years and years that I've been wanting to build? I just kind of was like, you know what, I'm just done. I don't want to do the factory anymore. So the three people that I brought with me were sewing members, sewing team, and I gave them the factory and they now have their own small production unit in LA because I gave them all the machines and everything that I had used my back pay for. So that's great. I still work with them, but I was able to come home and you know, work from home, I was having a baby and then the pandemic hit. So it, like all three of those things kind of converged and it could have been really bad, but I just took it as a really awesome time to like, you know, sit in my office and work really hard on my tech. And I then went searching for my co-founder and eventually found her after lots of dumpster fire angel list tech bro interviews. <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, you just like have to ride the waves of the ups and downs and I wouldn't have this company if the other company wouldn't have like gone out of business and completely fell apart. And that's what you have to do when you work. I think you have to do that when you work anywhere. But I think specifically, I learned that lesson going through the layoffs in fashion and then going through the layoffs in tech and always working for small to mid-sized companies and watching the owners 
you know, it's a struggle to keep your company going. I'm curious, was there any pushback from the company that was folding when you're like, hey, you owe me money? First of all, did it take courage on your end to say, hey, you owe me money, why don't you give me this? And then when you asked for that, was there any pushback? No pushback, because I think it was just an easy thing to do for them. I don't think it really took courage to say that because it's not that they weren't paying people. I think what I saw during that is I saw a bunch of people. So we were, we were at our peak in that company. We were like a 50 person team and towards the end, like it was, you could see it. The writing was on the wall. Then we knew the company didn't pay and then everything kind of started unraveling. But some people were getting so, so, so pissed off. And it's like, you look at the founders and you look at the people working so hard in this company, and it's not to say that like people can't get pissed off or whatever. I just think that like nobody starts a company and like wants it to die. You know, <laughs> I felt so bad for the founder too, because like they were just scrambling trying to get their stuff together. And um, I think it does take courage, but I think also it just takes a certain mindset. I, you asked a question the other day on Twitter that I answered, which was like, you know what's a good piece of advice. And one of my favorite things that somebody told me once when I was really young was always work like you own the company. And I just always do that. It's gotten me in trouble a lot. <laughs> For the most part, that's how I've always been working. Hi, everyone. This is Rita Munira. I am the co-founder and chief operating officer of Authenticate. And we replace keys, passwords, all the annoying security products with an easy-to-use smartphone app, a cybersecurity company based in Santa Barbara. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for us as a team, it was having an MVP that we, like a minimal viable product. We had an MVP that was good enough for the competition, but we also used that to go talk to people and get, you know, try to do a, a little product market fit for, for the competition. And that actually helped us because one of the conversations from the new venture competition and like trying to, you know, do interviews for our product market fit ended up being a beta tester that we've been, you know, working with for the past few years. And every time we have a new product, we go and install to them. That ended up and they're ready to become a paying customer very soon. So, you know, that was great. It started just as an interview for a competition that then became a long-term partnership. How many years has it been now that you guys have been live? So the competition was in 2019. We met in like December 2018. So I would say January 2019. But during that time, we were, you know, it was our last year in college. So Chad was finishing up. Chad and Evan graduated a year after me with like their master's and PhD. So I would say July 2020 is our like official birthday even though we already hadn't like we were already incorporated and everything by that time, but that's when we like when, that's when I had to quit my job to go join my co-founders who graduated to hire people, raise money. So I would say July twenty twenty is the birthday. And since it is a security company, like what if we lose our phone or our phone gets stolen? How does it work on that side? Yeah, that's a great question. So because we're cloud based, obviously. Once you lose your phone or it gets stolen, you just have to notify your admin and they will just, you know, either suspend the phone or just delete it, remove it completely and, and give you access with your new phone, which is much more secure than if you lose a smart card 
So first of all, one of our one of our clients pointed this out is uh, when their employees leave, like when they lose their badges on Friday, they don't realize until Monday, just because you know no one cares about a smart card. You just use it for work. So if over the weekend you you don't have it, no one cares. But if you lose your phone within two minutes, you'd already be panicking. So that's the good part of it. Like first, once you lose it, you're automatically like freaking out and you can just tell your uh, admin they will remove it or suspend it, which is, you know, more secure than uh, traditional solutions. And what if you don't have your phone with you? What do you do in that case? Well, you can ask your admin for temporary access uh, or like, I mean, we're also backward compatible. So for example, if your company already had uh, one of the legacy systems, you can always use that uh, in parallel to our solution. But you know what? Surprisingly enough, everyone has their phones all the time. You know, it's it's no, it's, it's not surprising. I've it's been what without wallets. Me. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been without wallets for like weeks, and I can just use Apple Pay everywhere. But without my phone, I I don't think I can ever be without my phone. Like I've I've gone weeks without credit card because you know they had had an issue with the bank, and I literally had to go ten days without any any form of card payments or cash. I just use my Apple Pay anyway, uh, everywhere. So phones seem to be doing the job. Hey, this is Ben C. Goldman, founder of Perflow, and we help teams to make better decisions using data and behavioral science, all within Slack and Microsoft Teams. I started working on Perflow before the pandemic, then as soon as, and then I sort of doubled down on like Slack and Teams as soon as that was picking up. Um, and we've recently launched a free version of the product. And so people can start using it now if they want. And um, we're building out a more enterprise version that's got a little more the intelligence and we're doing, and we're looking for for bigger companies to pilot with us and build out some of these predictive models and, and the nudges piece. And how many people are on your team? So we have um, a co-founder CTOs in Newport Beach. Um, and then we have development team in Brazil and South America. We have advisors in across America and then in England one. We have designer in South Africa. So we've like completely distributed about like 10 people in and have you guys raised money? Do you have plans to raise money? Yeah, we raised a bit uh, at the end of last year. And then we just, we're, we're currently actually in a funding round, seed one round. So we've raised a million and we're going to raise another million um, shortly. I'm curious, were you able to raise from Los Angeles-based investors or was this outside of LA? This one was outside of LA. They're actually not VCs, they're like strategic partners. But I actually have a couple of meetings with LA-based investors in the next few weeks, and I started to network and meet some. And a lot of it is, I mean, not all of them are focused on like work tech, very focused. There's a lot of like consumer tech, you know, media, but there is there is some interest. So we, we're going to have a couple of conversations in the next few weeks. What would you say are the resources that you've accessed here in LA in order to help you build Peerflow? I think it's bi-weekly or monthly tech mixer in, in you know, at the bungalow, the electric uh, yes. mixer. Lucas is That's mixer. Actually, yes. Yeah, exactly. So that was great. I met a couple of people there and actually the person that introduced me to my 
my, my new CTO there. So that was super helpful. The other resources besides like the events built in LA, I use that. Uh, I think that's a good community, like very open to share and help. And actually when I first moved here in May, um, I reached out to a few VCs, one or two that I knew, and like they were all super helpful and like, you know, spreading the word or just connecting me with people. So yeah, I think it's a great ecosystem. I mean, partially why I moved here. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.